How are you doing? Jesus, what a shit show that was. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. That technology is a great thing, isn't it? Well, only when it works for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. thank you for being a part of Welcome to you. I can't see them from the road. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pretty cool deal. So, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on and what you've been up to? Well, I'm uh, just full-time self-employed cowboy type, you know, I mean, just sell uh, the saddles and shoot some horses and take care of some cows type of deal. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know what else uh, could I say. Um, business has been good this year. I know that. That's building. Got lots of saddles on the bill. Yeah, I think I got 10 more on order for this year, which is pretty phenomenal for me, I think. I mean, just kind of just blossoming as we go. And this, this, this year's just been really great. Yeah. Well, you can't complain about that at all. No. Yeah, weather's been good, so everything's just kind of rolling the way it's supposed to. Oh, good deal. Are you guys dry up there or wet? Or? Um, we've had a little more moisture this year than we had in the past, so it's been it's been a better year than than normal, I guess, or average. But just keeping on, keeping on. Well, that's yeah. all we can do. One or the other. Yeah, yeah, we're just kind of high mountain desert country here, where we're at. But, but yeah, it's uh, I guess it's been about seven years I've been self-employed, trying to make a go of this, and it's been a been a good deal for me, me and my wife, and yeah. Well, that's all that uh, that's all that matters. Work out for you. Yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, you're your own boss, and you kind of have the luxury to do what you want and when you want. For the most part, yeah. In the beginning, it would we'd take anything we could get to try to make something or do something, and you know, now we're starting to be able to narrow our lanes down a little bit, focus on just what I want to do, and you know, what makes the best money at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. So, uh, how long have you been building saddles for? I know you've been doing leather work for a while now. Yeah, I built my first one in, I want to say 2004, 2005. And, oh, uh, I mean, it was, it was functional. We'll just leave it at that. You know, as far as, as far as that goes. So, uh, working, you know, I had pretty steady employment with some drilling companies and did a lot of fab and maintenance work for them. Uh, up until about 20, 
2016, I think it was, 2015. And, uh, yeah, I just, things weren't going good at the real job. So, you know, my wife just really encouraged me to branch out on my own and just get back to it. And, you know, we've always kind of been self-employed here and there, back and forth. And it just kind of worked out good this time. So, you know, quit my day job. Quit the day job and just went back to shoeing horses and trying to build saddles and do whatever I can and ride some colts and got on day working with a couple people here and there and just kind of made it work. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So. Well, I definitely know there's not a whole lot of people out there that are building gear nowadays. What's that? <laughs> There's not a lot of people out there that are building gear every day using functional gear. Yeah, it's, uh, there's lots to pick from for sure. Just getting the good ones and something that agrees with you is, uh, that's a good find. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you get that a lot, uh, you know, with building saddles with people have different expectations or different ideas that don't always work out or pro- not don't work out, but aren't just the best idea somebody's ever had. Yeah. There's uh, you know, that saying the customer's always right. Isn't always correct. You know, some things just don't work, but it might sound good in theory. <clears throat> yeah. And well, you, you know, you have you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you, you want to make the customer happy and you want to do the best job you can and sometimes that just doesn't line up with what they want right yeah for the most part it's generally on the repair end of that deal you know somebody wants something fixed and it's just not worth you know <laughs> What they want fixed, you just not you just can't stop there, you know. And so it's sometimes it's better not to do those jobs. Yeah, just sticking with building new is probably the best way to go at times. Yeah, or or repair something that's already quality, you know, something that's you know been put together right by somebody. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> Yeah, and what I found is a lot of guys, like, you know, guys that we've had out here and have worked on the pasture with us through the years, you know, they look at, um, just because the saddle looks good doesn't mean it's a good saddle, and they get mad when a saddle maker says, no, I don't want to work on that, you know, it's it's not worth it. Right. You know, everybody's got to start somewhere. I, in you know, saddles are expensive and stuff, but you pay for what you get. Absolutely. In the long run, like you know, rather it's going to soar you all day, or it's going to soar your horse all day, or you know, it'll probably do both if it's a poor quality saddle. Oh yeah. Yeah. But. You know, I mean, people justify their money and accept what uh, 
what it is, you know, and justify it through the cost. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in this day and age, $100 doesn't even go very, I mean, you don't get very much when you go to the grocery store to buy groceries, but, you know, you, you get what uh, what you pay for. If you're only going to put $50 towards groceries, you're probably not going to eat very well for a week or a month. Right. You know. Yeah. Just the quality, like, you know. Yeah, it's just a lot of these saddles are built in a factory and not built properly, you know, hollow. I've seen, I've seen saddles with a hollow tree in them, you know? Oh yeah. I've had some show up, you know, with the rigging ripped out. I said, I'm not touching it. You know, I mean, they paid $250 for the damn thing to start with. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not even doing it. I mean, in the beginning, I'd take repairs and do whatever I had to and do the best I could, but it got to the point where just, you know, the cost outweigh the benefit, you know, and uh, nobody would be happy at the end of the day. Yeah, so that's that's just the easiest way to do the repairs on the good saddles and then the cheap knockoff ones, just leave them where they are. Yeah, just... Just uh, start over, you know, go get something good. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, like uh, when I got into my first custom saddle, you know, the guy I got it off of, he was real good. He kind of understood where I was coming from and, you know, worked with me because I couldn't afford to throw that kind of money out all up and up front you know i couldn't afford to give him five grand up at up front all at once so he's like well just pay me as you get it and when i get it done you'll be done paying for it or if you're not done paying for it it'll still be here when you when you get done paying for it it just doesn't leave my shop till it's fully paid for and i was totally fine with that yeah i've done that quite a few times for people you know they talk about it talk about it i'm like well can you budget 500 a month, whatever, you know, and same thing when it's done, they got their saddle and uh, it's worked out pretty good doing a few, you know, it seems like people come up a little bit of money every month, but like you say, it's tough to you know, come up with that lump sum if they're not already been saving for a long time and well, it's hard to turn loose five grand at one time. You can. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> you can do it a little bit at a time, not miss it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you want something, you know, if you, if if you want something like that, I mean, you know, it doesn't pay to try a few. You know, it doesn't pay for you to go out and buy the cheapest one you find because you're just throwing good money away. You know, start out with that paying up to that good one. And then you oh, have yeah. something in the long run. Yeah. And your ass is going to thank you a lot more, and your horse is going to thank you because it's going to fit the way it should. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about fixing it, generally. Yeah, unless uh, 
Unless a good jack right. happens. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, we've done that a few times for people, you know, that payment plan thing. And when it's done, they get it. And it's where it's paid off, they get it, you know, and it's all worked out pretty good. Well, that's, that's, a, that's an awesome thing, too, you know, just being able to help somebody get into a saddle and get what they want. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and a lot of people, they only, you know, they only have, they only get one custom saddle in their life. Well, that might be all most people really can even, you know, have the use for, really. Yeah. Springtime work, fall-time work, you know, a little bit of riding in summertime. Yeah. Yeah, your full-time guys, they're working all day, but. Uh, part-timers out there they want a good rig and fits their horse and you know and them too and maybe a little bit of uh, a flash on it a little carving or stamping or something you know yeah. on it so yeah that's where we come in works out pretty good yeah well i mean you know and that's their pride and joy when they get it they're just so damn proud of it Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see them when they walk out, you know, or they get pictures, you know. And that's always a really neat feeling. Yeah, know. I bet when you, get, when you actually get to see your stuff that you've built working, you know, with actually somebody actually using it and enjoying it. And that is pretty cool if I get to ride with those guys. And that's pretty neat, you know. And then you get to repeat customers too, and that's even, you know, even better. Yeah. You know, you come back for another one. So. Well, I always like to have at least two. I have my my Colt starting saddle, and then I have my good one. And you know, it's always nice to have. I think you know have if you're working it if you're working cowboy every day to have a couple different saddles like i have my my one saddle that it's just basically a colt riding saddle i just put it on colts and you know at the end of the day if you put it on a colt and he throws a rack in the round pen or in the pen and tears something off of it or breaks it you're like well that sucked but i'm glad it's not my good one yeah <laughs> And then just having the other two saddles as my go-tos. Because sometimes we, we take more than one horse out with us for the day. And it's nice to, you know, trot back to the trailer when your horse is tired. And, you know, instead of swapping saddles out or anything, you can just load them up on the trailer and grab the next one out of the trailer and jump on him and you're set to go back to work again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to pull a wet saddle blanket off and throw it on a Another horse. No, they they don't like that very much. Yeah, they tolerate it, but... Well, some tolerate it. Some. <laughs> some them young ones, they might just buck you off. Yeah. But I don't blame them if they did. Um, 
So what kind of, uh, do you have uh, a certain tree maker you go with or do you go with uh, the customer's request? Um, I'm basically build on, you know, a certain, you know, tree maker I've been using. There's another guy down in Texas I think I'm going to give a try. Uh, but I have built on some trees that uh, customers have supplied, and I don't have a problem with that as long as they're, you know, straight and square and, you know, laced upright. Yeah. You know, if they pull down some old hand-me-down that's been a million miles and strip it all down and bring it to me, it's probably not going to happen. You know, the rawhides all shrink up and twisted or whatever. It's... That, that's not going to happen. No, well, that'd be real hard to make happen, you know, because, you know, you're kind of starting, not that it was junk to begin with, but now it's junk and you're, you know, you're building on top of junk. You're not really getting anything. Right. And it'd probably be functional, but, you know, still, it's not, wasn't all new to start with. So, um, you know. Yeah, and to go to all that work to build yeah. everything and then two months or a year down the road have them break the tree and send it back to you again and, you know, well, we should have just went brand new to start with. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because the cost of the trees, you know, it's a small percentage of the whole overall deal. It's not a huge savings. Yeah. So. Yeah, your your cost of your trees probably the one of the cheaper parts of getting a custom saddle. Right. Yeah, it could be, you know, ten percent, you know, maybe a little bit more, depending on the tree and you know, but it's not really justifies it, so uh, if you're gonna if they want me to, you know, cut corners there where else are they gonna want me to cut corners on and I just don't want to do that so well I don't think you know I'm no saddle maker or anything like that but you know once you start cutting corners you know once guys start cutting corners where does it stop exactly you know and then you just kind of got to you got a rig that's just thrown together. Yeah, it'll probably fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I, up in my part of the country anyways, there's not, uh, there's not really anything for saddle makers up here and what, we're up here for saddle makers, you know, two, three years ago, they just, you know, they, they went broke, didn't have any business in their shop. Cause that's what they would do. They would, they would cut corners and just kind of Jimmy rig something, something together. Like I took a guy's saddle and, uh, well, I had the seat, it had a Cheyenne roll on it and I had my rope go underneath that Cheyenne roll. And I had a yearling kind of wrap me up in the rope and he ripped that whole Cheyenne roll off and the seat off and everything. And I just asked him, you know, just put a new seat in it. 
and uh, he tried patching the, you know, he didn't do a nice job. He just glued it and kind of sewed it here and there, put a couple new pieces of leather. Well, here you go. It's back together. Well, you know, I wanted a brand new seat in it because that looks terrible. Well, well. And you know, guys like that won't stay in business very long because they just really don't give a shit about their work or take any pride in their work. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's going to cost some money or whatever, but it's got to be right, you know. Yeah, if it wasn't worth doing, you know, I mean, I've had saddles come in for repairs. I'm just like, it's going to cost more than that saddle's even thought about ever being worth, you know. Give them the numbers, and they're like, well, you know, all right, well. So, yeah, but, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It seems like it's just kind of tough to make it all work sometimes, but when it does, it's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. And you know, guys like yourself or, you know, when a guy like myself comes to, a guy like you that's been building saddles for, you know, that's his job. You're building saddles and you're making a living out of a saddle. It's pretty easy to communicate with you and be like, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I need. Okay. This is, this is how we're going to go about it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most everybody is a good saddle makers probably made a living in saddle at least one point in time in their life. So they kind of know what, what needs to go into it. Well, exactly. Know what a guy's looking for, you know, knows how to get a seat, right? Yeah. It may not be as rough and tumble as it used to be, but it's still work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And do you find that just some people just have too high of expectations when it comes to saddles? Um, not when they're having something made or most people are pretty, you know, pretty reasonable about, you know, they're willing to spend the money. They're willing to, you know, do what needs to be done. Um, So, yeah, I don't think so. Not not so much in my world anyways. Oh, well, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've had anybody disgusted or so pissed off that when they left, they, you know. But. No, it's been pretty good. Got a lot of good customers and, you know, uh, a lot of good mentors along the way, too, that have helped me out quite a bit over the years. So it's been good. Well, that's and, awesome. Yeah, there's uh, – yeah, you see the trend or the shift or whatever. You know, people are more free with their information now and wanting to help people and keep things going right. You know, there's, there's so much going that's – you know, low end work or whatever. So it's gonna be a high end maker. You gotta listen to high end people. 
and those guys are, you know, really helping people out too. You know, they're trying to come along. So it's it's been good to friend a lot of them, and you know, be able to call them on the phone, and you know, hey, I seen what you're doing or something. That's pretty cool. You know, try to pick their brain. They're pretty good about talking to you now. Well, that's that's the main thing is guys are willing to to do that and keep putting out good saddles because if that's not around, I mean, there's going to be pretty few guys building good saddles. Yeah. That's, this last year has been a little difficult getting trees, you know. need to get some tree makers going out there. There's more saddle makers than tree makers for sure. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I can do I can do small repairs on my saddle, like you know, relacing, putting a new fender on a saddle, or rewrapping my horn or new saddle strings. But that's about as far as it goes. I c- I wouldn't even want to try and start thinking about making a tree. <laughs> oh. Well, I want the concept and the tooling. I think it's probably just another, you know, another job and figure out how to do it. But everybody's got their thing, what they like to do. Yeah. Have you had much to do with them, um, with them cable trees? I haven't. I had one come in for repair. It was broke right across the left to right on the seat. And. I sent it off to that guy, and this January will be two years, and he won't even return my phone calls anymore. Um, I've heard some people like them, some people don't. So, but I haven't personally done anything with them. Yeah, I've I've never even I've seen pictures of them, but I've never seen one, seen one in person. I kind of always thought about getting one, and you know, for a while there, they were pretty. They were a pretty hot item. Like, everybody was kind of getting one. Yeah, it's kind of a new shiny thing, I think. Um, yeah, it's, you don't have a rigging plate under you or anything, so you kind of get some less bulk, but the concept is good, and it's not a new um, not a new idea. Hell, they did it back years and years ago, I guess. Um, from what I understood, like... Uh, well, it had been like back in the World War II era when the, they couldn't get good cable anymore, so the cables would rot off and break. So they just kind of went away from them way back then. The one guy was telling me. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I've, part of me wants to try to do one, but, you know, and that part of me is like, well, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah, that's kind of my thinking on it. Like, they kind of look cool and everything, but, you know, the old, the, the, the other way of doing it, like how most saddles are, you know, it's tried and true and you know it works. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, a little bit less bulk and a little bit less weight. I don't know if it's worth it or not, but man, some people like them, some people don't. Yeah, it's just like with everything else, you know, it's 
each to their own. Like if, if you like it and it works good for you, awesome. Doesn't mean, you know, it's going to work for you or I or whoever. Right. Personal preference at the end of the day goes a long ways. Oh yeah. You know, I've been, I'm kind of thinking about, I, I want to try a, a single rig. <laughs> Hell, most people ride a single rig if you just look at their back sanch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh, I'm probably guilty just about of that, but yeah. You know, I used to, I used to, I never, I kept my back cinch for a lot of years, pretty loose. You know, when I was just, when I was just riding and we weren't roping, you know, my back cinch was always pretty loose. And I had an old boy at a, at a feedlot I was working for. He asked me if I ever seen a horse stick a back foot through a, through a back cinch. And I said, no. And he goes, well, I'd tighten it up before it happens to you. And I kind of said, oh, well, I've never seen it before. And, you know, never even heard of it happening before. I doubt it'll happen to me. And about two weeks later, I was riding a colt and he was trying to cow kick me. He didn't want to go. So, you know, I was squeezing him with my legs and rolling them, my spur up his, up his side. And he tried to cow kick me in the foot with that back foot. And when he come up, yeah, he stuck that uh, that back foot right through my back cinch. And let me tell you, shit got western real quick. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Ever since then, it's been, nope, that back cinch is snug up to their belly. I don't care what anybody says. When it's not snug, bad shit happens. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they could just be kicking at a fly or... The sweat dripping off their belly and hooked that back cinch. Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, and when they do stick a foot through that, like you're gonna have a bad day. It's gonna shit's gonna come apart. Oh yeah, nothing good comes out of that situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except for the story, the story probably pretty good. Yeah, the story is, you know, the stories are always pretty good, but some of them stories, you're like, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah, especially if that old boy was sitting there watching you, huh? Oh, yeah, he, after I come off that horse and he ended up, he ripped that back cinch. Oh, he broke a bunch of shit that day on that <laughs> saddle. And I was walking through the pen, you know, picking up pieces on my saddle, and that old boy rode up to me. Oh, he looked at me and goes, I told you that would happen, didn't I? And it's like, yeah, piss off. Yeah. He goes, I bet you're going to tighten your cinch up next time. Yep. Definitely going to tighten it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And sometimes when them old boys tell you something, they don't kind of, they tell you in a roundabout way, they don't say what could really go wrong they just kind of give you have you ever seen that and you're like oh it won't happen to me and he's just like oh okay well anybody's worth listening to is not gonna you know keep pounding india with that they're right there's well if you don't want to listen go ahead yeah exactly and then yeah, you, you learn know, the hard way 
Yeah, and the worst, like you say, the worst part about it is, uh, you know, you just come off your horse, your saddle's all tore up, and then, you know, he's sitting right there on his horse, he watched everything, and he just comes and dumps salt in an open wound and kind of yeah. rubs it in your face that he was right, and you probably should have listened to him. <laughs> or worse yet, they just ride away and let you sit there and just salt in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah it's and you know like a lot of these people that ride with the loose back cinch you know oh I'm not roping I don't need it yeah well one day you might have to tighten it up and you should probably get them used to that oh yeah <clears throat> Or it's going to be real entertaining the day you go to tighten it up. Yeah, that's that's good times. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's best to get them used to it before you need it, not when you need it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like day one. Yeah, day one's a good day to start that program. Yeah. They don't even know what a loose inch is. No, and it's best just to keep it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I've seen sticks run into a back cinch, you know. Yeah, we had that. We had that happen a year ago on the pass through the boss. And I mean we had to haul that horse. We had to haul him to the vet and they had to sedate the horse and pull that stick out from him it was a it wasn't a good deal oh yeah i've seen him run through stirrups too before you know it's all sorts of stuff happens yeah i've had them i haven't had like i've had little sticks run through my stirrups and they just break off and it's never been a real big issue but i've had them run up underneath my rope when you're riding through the bush chasing chasing a cow or something and you know everything comes tight and you're on a colt and next thing you know your rope strap broke and your rope's hanging on a tree and you're trying to weather out a storm in the bush oh yeah (laughs) yeah what can go wrong will go wrong right in a big hurry, too. Yeah. <clears throat> so, are you, are you shooing lots of horses through the week, or is that starting to slow down with the winter coming on? Oh, it's starting to slow down, but, you know, I only do, oh, two or three a day, so it's not like a lot. It's just a lot for me, you know. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, if I do two or three horses a day, that's that's enough. So. Well, I start, I I don't shoe horse. I shoe my own now, but I used to shoe horses for the public. And now even just thinking about shoeing horses for the public, I get tired and get cranky. I, mean, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> well, the money's good, but... Uh, yeah, most horses I got now are pretty good to do. <clears throat> oh, that's always 
That's always a bonus. Yeah. But like anything, when you're getting started, you'll take anything, get under anything, get on anything. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so between two or three horses to shoe and come to the shop and work on saddles and repairs or build or chaps or whatever if anybody wants and a little bit of day work here and there throughout the summer and the winter is pretty cool. Yeah. Just are, a good you, uh, are you putting any any sharp shoes on horses yet or is that a thing up in your part of the country? Well, it's not a thing for me or for anybody I'm around. Um, I don't know of anybody around here that does it anymore. Um, but no, pretty much the wintertime, pull them off and just run them barefoot through the wintertime. Uh, there's a few I'll keep shot up for people, but for the most part, we pull them off everything and kind of let them have a break. Yeah. Well, I know guys out here, they're starting to, they're starting to switch out for sharp shoes and starting to snowball pad everything now. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hell, we won't get any snow until November anyways. Yeah, well, we're getting to the point here where, you know, snow could be a long ways away or it could be right around the corner. Oh, sure. Yeah, you get that first storm of the season to wake everybody up, right? Yeah. And I'm normally the guy that's wait. I wait till like the first storm to hit, and then I'm like, man, I should have done this before. Hell yeah. Because normally when the first storm hits, you know, we're getting done with Roundup and gathering where I work, and we're just kind of concentrating on chasing strays down. And, uh, you know, you never really chase a stray to the corrals. You always end up roping it. And when you're on a set of rim shoes and you're roping a stray and you get them roped and it's snowy and icy out, you're like, man, traction would be real cool right about now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're a lot colder country than we are, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, it. It's a freezer up here in the wintertime. Yeah. I get a kick out of people when they say, oh, I like the cold, and you kind of look at them, and you go, there's something definitely wrong with you. And they go, oh, no, I like the cold. And you go, well, you've never been to my country then, because if you've been to my country, you wouldn't like the fucking cold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my dad grew up in Minnesota, right on the close to the Canadian line there. He goes, Oh yeah, you 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 don't even know what winter is yet. Yeah. I've never been there. So I I've heard stories about it. Yeah, well let me put it this way. I mean, if uh if you don't have to come into Canada in the winter, come in the summer. Like if you have an option, definitely come in the summer. Don't oh, come in the winter, and if you come in the winter, I feel sorry for you. Uh, yeah, I was in northern Alberta one winter, like in February. It was cold. Yeah, I grew up in Alberta, and the nice part about Alberta is it gets cold, but 
they always get them Chinooks rolling off the mountains, and it kind of warms everything up for, you know, a week or so. Yeah. And everything, yeah. and that was, that was real nice. But out where I'm at right now, there's no such thing as a Chinook out here. Well, very rarely it happens. It can happen, but not too often. And it's just miserably cold. All oh, yeah. yeah, I was in Fort McMurray up there. It was cold. Cold for yeah, me. Yeah, it cold up there. Yeah. There were some boys from Newfoundland on that job there. I was cold, and they're like, this ain't cold. You don't know what cold is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, last winter we were calving out cows. I was on the on the night shift there, and I walked into the cabin barn there the one night, and it was a busy night, so there was a few of us there. You look at the thermometer, and uh, the thermometer in the cabin shack. You look out the window, and it's sitting right there, and you look at it. And it's registering minus 55. You just kind of look around and go, yep, we're fucking retarded. Yeah. The new guy on the place, well, I'm going to shut the crew truck off. And uh, we don't need to be wasting fuel. No, no, it's plugged in. You leave that son of a bitch run. Because if you (laughs) shut it off, it'll never start again. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that was a problem in Fort McMurray. They let them trunks trucks run all the time and to plug the catalytic converters up and they wouldn't run after that either. No, was, you gotta be you gotta be real off. careful when you start leaving them run that long. Well, they pulled them off and they ran big old they just drove a big bar through them and opened them back up. Yeah. <laughs> brand, brand new trucks right off the lot. Well, that was funny. Yeah, that'll solve that problem. (laughs) And you know what always happens to me about once a winter? Well, coming into winter, I always forget to put that, um, oh, I can't, oh, I know what it's called. It's on the tip. That shit you dump into your fuel tank. Oh, to keep it from gelling? Yeah, and we get special winter diesel up here that's technically not supposed to gel but we found out when it hits minus 55 with the wind chill it still gels yeah yeah you can run straight kerosene too yeah yeah that's actually a lot of well not so much anymore but you know five six years ago there was still a lot of people heating their house with kerosene Oh, yeah. And then they went to, I don't know what was better, kerosene or electric. I think kerosene in the long run was better because kerosene now is cheaper and power's fucking expensive. <laughs> uh, everything's expensive. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. There's no, there's no getting around that. No. No, even I was going to buy some ropes. I was at a tax store a week and a half ago or so. 
I was going to buy some ropes because I'm kind of running low on ropes. But when I seen the price of ropes, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll probably get for the year. I could probably make do with the three wore out ones I got. Yeah, it's there. 65, 70 bucks down here for 50 footers. <clears throat> Hell. Yeah, for a 50 footer up here, you're looking at like a hundred. Yeah. <clears throat> well. But. And the ropes haven't got any different. Just everything's went up so much in price. And you're a lot more careful with your ropes, I find now that they're so expensive. You're like, no, we're not. We're not doing that. <laughs> keep a couple old ropes in the career truck just in case you rope something and you got to drag it onto the trailer you're not using your good one right yeah But a guy keeps keeps going and keeps pushing forward. That's all we can do. And at least we're doing jobs we, we want to do and we like to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I always tell people what I do is a lot better than working for a living. Yeah. We'll keep doing as long as we can. Well, that's just it. And, you know, we're stubborn enough. We'll just keep going. And even though it might suck at times, well, it'll get better. Oh, yeah, everything got uphill and downhill. <clears throat> no. Yeah. Like this summer, you know, it's we flooded out here this summer. And, I mean, we didn't even shoe any of our horses this summer because the amount of mud we rode through would have just ripped them off. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so we didn't even hardly shoe anything this year you know well you have your good years and your bad years uh -huh. just make it work yeah we start shoeing in generally about April when we start doing or most of the work are you are you building your own shoes or are you just uh, oh, using no. pre-mades <laughs> No, yeah, I just, I just buy them. I mean, uh, you know, for what it, what it costs to buy them and the time to make them. I mean, hats off to guys that can make them. They do a great job, but uh, there's so many good shoes out there to buy, you know, that's shaped right and pretty close and it's just a lot easier. Yeah, all you might have to do is just widen them up or hook up. Hook some heels up or hook some heels in. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, it's I just buy everything and shape what I need to and go to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are you nailing on majority like toe and heel or rims? Uh, no, we do all just plates mostly. Um, I got a few horses I put natural balance on. They got some issues, or uh, but most of everything's just a plate. Uh, deltas I like to use. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I um, like to put on mine through the summertime. I'd rather put I'd rather put a rim on them, a rim shoe, or I'll put a toe-in heel. Yeah. I like rims, uh, I don't know, hard to level. They can be really hard to level. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of toe-in heels, but some people like them. Okay. I, I kind of like them for them wet, dewy mornings out here we get, and, you know, roping on, on grass a lot, you know, I just find when you rope something in the morning, that horse has a little bit more to, to stand on, you know, it kind of catches a little better than a plate or, you know. Sure. Well, for me, anyways, you know, that's what works good for me, and. They definitely got a different environment than we do. We're a lot of rock and gravel and yeah. Yeah, so if they're standing on their feet, they got they got good traction with the plate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then come wintertime, I'd rather use them them frost nails or I'll uh, use them riveted corks. Uh-huh. Then I like them. They work pretty good. The only problem with corks is if you have a real handy horse, you gotta be careful how he stops. Oh yeah. Like you want to <laughs> stop him nice and straight, and you don't want him to stop real hard. You kind of want him to ease into that stop and then stop him straight. And when he gets done stopping, then ask him to turn or let him follow that cow. Don't let him try and do a fancy stop and then getting around to follow that cow as he's still sliding bad shit happens yeah you could run into some joint problems doing that stuff straining tendons and joints yeah yeah the frost nails are a little better because they'll kind of twist and give a little bit they're not as solid as a cork or borium mm. or anything like that. But uh, yeah, lots of good products out there to use for your for your environment. You know. Yeah, actually, what I've been using the past, well, last <laughs> winter I used it. And it worked real good. It's just corks are so damn expensive, and borium can be. I'm not an expert at putting borium on, so with me, it rather works or it just falls off, <laughs> and I get real mad. So what I've been doing is I've just been trimming the foot, and I shape my shoe. I get my shoe how I like it and how it fits, make sure it fits all good, and then I just take it to a buddy that uh, is a welder and he just lays a bead on the toe and a bead on each heel that hard surface weld and then I just hammer it on. Oh yeah. And that's that's worked real good for me. Yeah. And it's not it doesn't hurt the pocketbook as bad. Oh yeah. So There's always there's always a way around something. You can generally find something, you know, you can 
some things you can't really find a shortcut around and you can't there's no point of cheaping out on it and then there's other things you know wow i can get by with this and it'll work all right oh sure yeah maybe just get by with a little bit till you get the job done too and you know don't need to do all the fancy stuff sometimes yeah and i i generally like just to keep one one horse sharp shoot up you know that if I'm going to go rope something in the wintertime or I know we're going to be on real, you know, packed snow and, you know, in a feedlot or in a corral doing something, you know, well, I'll just catch the horse at sharpshoot. And for the majority of the time, you're riding on a feed ground with some footing anyway, so you can get away with riding a barefoot horse or a oh, horse yeah. with just frost nails in him and he'll be all right. And I found with them, with them colts that don't really know where their feet are, you just cut them up with anything sharp, hammered to their feet. You know, they just cut themselves up, step on themselves. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's never a fun deal. No, you don't need to really get them colts to find their feet to start with. Yeah, you don't need them scaring themselves by knocking themselves up. Right. Yeah. Do you uh, do you shoe any draft horses or? Any uh, I do. I do a couple of half draft saddle horses, but no, nothing real big. Uh, like a four or five on the front is about as big as I go. That's big <clears throat> enough. It's plenty big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had one half draft here a while back, and he had been kind of a dink one morning. Got him where I was shaped shoe, went to smoke it on him there, and he went to hanging back and knocked me down. And when I fell down, I lost the shoe, and he slipped and fell down. When he fell down, he fell right down on that hot shoe, right on his hip there. Well, he jumped up like a cork, and he, he stood good the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't having no more of that. He wasn't doing no more of that. He's like, I'm not falling down. I'll stand up. <laughs> God, he's been good to do ever since. Oh, God, he was. God, he hadn't been 14, 1500 pounds then. He was a big son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. That's, you know, kind of get them cults to figure out they're hurting themselves sometimes is the neatest thing to do. They learn a lot better like that. Yeah. But. Well, my dad, he does a lot of, he shoes a lot of, shoes and trims a lot of draft horses. And I seen him not too long ago. And he, uh, he had a real cool deal because, you know, a lot of these people, them, them big horses, they only get done maybe once or twice a year, you know, so they don't have the best feet to begin with. Right. And uh, he's got a little, uh, a little hand planer, you know, a plug-in hand planer for woodworking, and he uses that to take all the rough 
rough oh, shit off their f- bottom of their foot and the side of their foot, and then he can touch it up and make it look all pretty with his with his nippers and his rasp. And I was like, shit, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, it worked yeah. real good. You can uh, you can set the depth on them things. It's not, you know, you see them. Some guys are using grinders to trim their foot and. With the grinder, you're rather not deep enough or you're too deep. Oh. Let's hope that horse don't pull that planer back into your lap there. Yeah, well, he's, he's building himself a, a chute for these draft horses so he can uh, he can lead them into a chute and then tie a foot up. Oh, gotcha. So... You know, because I don't, you know, these draft horses that don't get done too much, only a few times a year, the person wants a set of shoes on them to go for, go to one show a summer, you know. I don't care who you are. If he goes to pull that foot away, there's no way you're holding on to it. I mean, he's taking you with it. Oh, hell. Yeah, a two-year-old can do that. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. They're strong. Oh, very. And you know, a lot of people don't discipline their horses. You know, you get the people that still do discipline their horses and don't stand for that stuff. But there's a lot of people out there that just don't believe in disciplining their horses anymore. You know, that's part of the reason why I quit shoeing outside horses is because, you know, you go to Susie's wherever and that horse is being a dink and you know, I'll bop you with this rasp and oh uh, you'll hurt his feelings. I'm gonna do more than hurt his feelings. Well it's worse than that when the horse acts up as they start patting it and telling it, you know, it's okay, it's okay, and they're soothing us. Like you're just rewarding that horse for what he's doing. Yeah. So, you need to just go away. <laughs> yeah, leave me leave me to do my thing. And that's the thing too is so many people don't even know how to hold a horse properly for the guy that's standing underneath of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have him tied hard to a fence post or a tie rail or whatever they got that's sturdy. We'll tie him up to that so he can only move so much, and I'll do my best to take care of myself. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Let alone having you down here being part of the problem. Yeah, was, when I still was traveling, I'd go some places purposely when they weren't home just because it was easier when they weren't there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when they call you, how'd my horse do? Oh, he stood. He stood awesome. No problem. <laughs> I got him done. They don't need to know what happened behind closed doors? Well, generally they were a lot better when they weren't around. It was just the facts. Yeah. You know, they create anxiety. Yeah, and what pissed me off a lot of the times, too, is you'd pull into somebody's yard, okay, I'll be there at 10. And they go, oh, okay, so you pull in there and you got a, you got a full day of shoeing ahead of you, shoeing and trimming. So you got like probably 10 horses lined up for the day. 
from one end of the country to the other. So you got a busy day ahead of you and you pull in there at 10 o'clock and they're like, Oh, we haven't caught our, we haven't caught the horses yet. And you're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I put them try and catch their horse for an hour and a half and playing (laughs) games and chasing him around the pen. Oh, yeah, I put an end to that. Quit traveling a couple years ago, so I got a cement pad and a nice place to tie up. And now they come here or they don't get done. That's the way to be. You're at the. You have everything you need there. You don't have to start your pickup. No. Go down the road and shoe somebody's horse. They bring them to you. That's the way to be. Yeah, and it's just some people. That's all they do with them, for the most part. So, just giving them something to do with their horse, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I always told everybody too. I said, "I'm here to, I'm here to trim your horse, or I'm here to shoe him. I ain't here to train him. If he can't right. stand for me towards the end of it, I was like, I'm going home." Or I'm going to the next one, and I'm not even going to do them. Oh, no. Or I got a kick out of when when people would call you, and you've never done their horses before. Oh, I got your name from so-and-so, and I need you to come do my horses. They're way overdue, and I need you to come do them. Oh, okay. So you get there, and they go, yeah. I don't know what happened to my old farrier, but he just stopped showing up, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> and oh, sometimes yeah. they were, sometimes they weren't too bad to do. Sometimes they were really good to do. And other times you'd be like, "Yeah, I know why your farrier is not calling you back." Yeah, you've been weeded out. Yeah. Which I don't know. I I don't agree with that either. I think if you don't want to do a job, you should. At least phone them up and say, you know what? I just don't want to do your horses, you know. Yeah, I think that's uh, the common courtesy to give somebody. You know, then they can find, they know why they have to find, you know, you give them time to find somebody else. Well, it's just the truth about it. Well, maybe I need to do something with my horse. Maybe I need to get some, you know, lessons or maybe I need to, you know, they just think everything's hunky-dory. Yeah. But anyways. Well, it takes all kinds in the horse world. Oh yeah, and then some. Oh yeah. And it's only it's only getting crazier and weirder out there in the horse world. (laughs) Like just when you think you're like, okay, I've seen it all. There, there, nothing's going to surprise me. I've seen it all. However long you're like, huh, that's new. <laughs> Never seen that idea before, but okay. Uh-huh. And, you know, you got to love pulling up to them people that uh, – or just dealing with them horse people that I seen this on Facebook. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh good. Or YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's why you tell some people they'd be 
happy about it came out. And I said, oh, I learned that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, not 30 years of doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lady, a lady out here. She wanted me to ride her horses for her. And I said, well, I'll come take a look at him. So I drove down to her place to take a look at him. And she had an older stud horse. He probably nine, ten years old. And she wanted me to ride him for a couple months in the summer here. And uh, she'd walk up to the pen and this stud horse would pin his ears back and charge the fence. And uh, bare teeth at her and try and get her. And... Uh, she would go, oh, he's telling me his feelings today. I'm like, he's doing more than telling you his feelings. <laughs> oh. All you have to do, she said, is tell him no and he'll stop. I'm like, yeah, you, you, you have fun with him. I want nothing to do with him at all. Tell him no. Yeah, that, that works real well, I found. Yeah, because they, they speak English really well, don't they? They do. <laughs> and I told her, she kind of got mad at me. And, you know, that kind of set the rest of the conversation. And he kind of kept doing it. And I said, you know, if I was you, I'd get a pitchfork or I'd get a shovel. And when he comes with his ears back and his teeth out, I'd haul off and hit that son of a bitch right between the eyes as hard as I could. Well, that'd be just being mean to him. He he he's gonna do a lot worse to you. Oh boy. Yeah. No, I don't want to hurt him. Uh, you can't. You, you'll knock some sense into him, maybe a little bit. At least get some respect. Yeah, and then you know people like that wonder why they get hurt. Well, you let that behavior grow, and now it's a problem. Yeah. I you taught yeah. him that that was okay to do yeah and it then becomes somebody else's problem to train it out of them yeah oh yeah and I, I try and stay away as much as possible from horses like that I want nothing to do with them um we you know Costs just as much to feed a good one as it does a mean one. Oh, that, that's yeah. just it. And I, I've come to the point now where there's too many there's too many good horses to ride a dink. Oh, yeah. Well, their you breeding know? so much better and minding mines and, you know, it's, everything's just gotten better over the years. Oh, Easy 100%. Yeah. You know, there's no need to have I mean if you're a weekend warrior there is no reason for you to have a nine year old stud horse you can't handle running around your property because he's a problem oh absolutely <clears throat> yeah it's well they get into those predicaments they don't know how to get out of them they don't want to they let their empathy get the better of them and yeah. You know, then they just justify the cost and 
Yeah, it goes on and on. Oh, it does. And you know, there's, you know, they're not thinking with, they're not thinking in reality. They're, you know, they're, oh, I feel sorry for him. Or they're seeing color. Oh, he's a beautiful horse. Well, he might be a beautiful horse, but he's a no good counterfeit son of a bitch at the same time. Yeah. I took a big buckskin horse a few years ago to the to the auction mart, and I just wrote on his paper there at the auction horse or at the auction mart, meat horse only. And a lady come up to me and asked me because I was taking the halter off and why he was there. And I told her, I said, "Well, he's counterfeit. Like this bastard will get you." And I just have no patience for that, and I'm not gonna get hurt on a dink. So he signed his card punched his ticket this is where he's going oh but he's beautiful well he's not that beautiful to keep around no yeah bays are beautiful too you know everything beautiful better when they're honest yeah 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 you're gonna enjoy a good horse and a horse that respects you a lot better than you're gonna like a dink oh yeah they see it a lot on the trails, you know, people trail riding, horses love sick and, you know, want to be here, there, and just hard to handle or won't load or, yeah, it's just, like, that don't look like very much fun. No. No, it doesn't. And, you know, the problem, too, in this day and age just getting is, you know, you can go to your vet and you can get, you know, you can get some drugs and calm him down. Oh, I just, I got to give him this shot or I got to give him this paste or this powder and he'll calm down. You're not fixing the problem. No, not at all. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. And when that wears off, he's going to be just the same as he was before. Like, you're not changing anything. Right. Yeah, it's... uh. But people live with it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and the sad part about it is that's the people at the end of the day that get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I find anyways, like, they're the people that are more likely to get into a wreck and get hurt bad than, you know, a guy like you or me, you know. Well, we just don't even go there anymore. Hell, years ago. Oh, yeah, I'll take that horse. Yeah. ER visit, bucked off, bit, kicked. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is with taking horses like that, though, on is at the end of the day, because you can ride them or whoever that's kind of handy with the horse can ride them, doesn't mean that Donna down the road that sent you the horse has the skill to ride that horse. No, they they haven't done anything to up their skills or their horsemanship. And so it goes right back to where it was. And then pretty quick, you're the dirty son of a bitch that didn't do his job. Yeah. Because they didn't do anything either. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's just it. That's why I like riding my own because nobody can tell me. Nobody can get mad at me. I'm the only one to blame at the end of the day. Right. 
riding my own colts, I can do it at my pace and at my speed, and I don't, I don't have to worry about, you know, getting something done or pushing a horse when they're not ready just because there's a deadline to be done after they want to take them home at a certain time. Yeah, most horses don't have a job to go do to start with. And that's the big problem, you know. Yeah. Yeah, our biggest job is to get in the trailer, go roll up some circles at their local arena or something, or go on a two-mile trail ride. Yeah. Well, and before that two-mile trail ride, they get, oh, I better give him some grain for the full week ahead before we go, so... He's, he's feeling good, and he's in good shape. All right, son of a bitch, don't need no damn grain. <laughs> right. You know, we grain our horses every morning, but we're also making a pile of miles on our horses throughout oh, yeah. the day. And they can't, you know, they need it a little bit. <laughs> it helps them, sure, absolutely. And, I mean, some of our horses, some of our colts, well, you were a peckerhead this morning to get caught. You get no grain. Oh, guess what? You were a peckerhead for the majority of the day riding you. You get no grain. You might get some grain when you start thinking right and not thinker of yours. But they dang sure don't need it. And that's what I've tried to tell a lot of people too. Like you're not using your heart your horse hard enough that he needs all that supplement and all that grain. Like you're just creating a problem for yourself. Yeah, most of them are fed, overfed on good health alpha to start with. Yeah. More than they need. Yeah, so or they got good green grass wherever they are. They just, they don't need no damn green. Right. Yeah. And yeah, most can, of the time, too, people like belt. that think they got a horse tired. Like, he's he's got him buffaloed, and he's just kind of leading. He's tired. He is far from tired. Oh, yeah. He's just tired of doing what they're doing. Yeah, it wants to go back to the barn or back to the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, we call them welfare horses. Yeah, there's there's getting to be more and more of them around the country every year, but yeah. underworked and overpaid. Yeah. So As long as I can keep finding good ranch horses, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, I have two that I own. Uh, both five-year-old, Mare and a Gelding, and they're about as solid as horses I've had in a long time. Probably ever, actually. Yeah, good to work on, honest. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And that's enough for me for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I I got one good of my own. I got one good saddle horse. And then 
the rest of my horses I get from a buddy. He's, you know, he's he's into buying and buying and selling some horses. And so when he he normally buys pretty good horses with the start on them. So it's always pretty nice when he sends some horses to you because they're just they might not know a whole lot. But you can swing a leg over them and go get a job done, and they probably won't kill you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> That's a bonus. Yeah, and That's then you kind of got something to work with. You're not trying to – because there's nothing worse than trying to start a horse, you know, get five, six rides on them in the pen and then kick, take them out of the pen and try and go and gather cows on them or try and rope off of them. There's just nothing fun about that. Right. It makes for a long day when you got to fight a colt all day just to get a simple job done. True that. Yeah, that makes the training a lot longer, you know. It does, especially when, you know, they've never really had, you know, You've only got a few rides on them, so you can basically turn them each way, lope them, trot them, and stop them. That's about all you got. And the second day of riding them out, the boss goes, oh, there's some foot rot cows to treat. And you're like, well, I've never thrown a rope off of them. Let alone caught something or drug anything. So this is going to be real interesting. Hopefully, we don't get in a wreck. All right. So sometimes that's sometimes that's the best for a colt, and sometimes that's the worst for a colt because you end up getting in into a little bit of a wreck or getting them scared, and then you don't want to do it again. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So these horses I get, you know, you can swing a leg over them, you can swing a rope on them. They probably chase the hot heels around. Roped to hot heels a few times. So you generally step on them and, you know, start picking up some heels if somebody had something for you. Or, you know, start by treating some small calves with pneumonia in the spring and then work your way up. Right. So, and then at the end of the summer when you, when the guy sells them and gives you a cut, you got a little extra beer money. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah, well, up here, up here, a guy needs all the beer money he can get because beer and tobacco is fucking expensive. Well, I bet. Uh. You know, I was getting beer the other day. I know the people that run the store pretty well, and. I told them I was paying for it, and I said, oh, I forgot the lube in the truck. Let me go grab it, and they just laughed at me. <laughs> oh. you, you know it's expensive when you go to town just for – when you go make your beer run in town, and you got to get diesel, Copenhagen, and beer. And once you get them few things, you're like, well, there went $300. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Well, just the the price of uh, I don't know what the price of things are 
in your part of the country or down there in the states, but everything up here is just is just ridiculous. You know, you're looking at oh, right around a hundred and eighty bucks right now for a roll of Copenhagen up here for ten rolls for five cans. Five cans? Oh, that's right. You guys have five can rolls. Yeah, for five cans, you're looking at 180 bucks, and then oh. to fill my truck up, it's probably right around that right now. I don't know exactly what diesel was today, but before it was, you know, right around 240 bucks to fill your truck up with diesel, and then beer for a 24 beer, you're looking at 70 bucks for a 24 beer. Good lord. So, yeah, things are pretty pricey up here. I'll say. I think Copenhagen's like $7.50 a can down here now. I don't know. It's been a year since I bought one. Uh, well, yeah, you're. No wonder you guys are keeping your population down up there. Nobody can afford to go there. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody asks me, they're like, oh, well, if it's that much for Copenhagen, why don't you quit? And you kind of look at them and you go, because people will die if I quit. <laughs> like, the boss keeps an extra can in the crew truck for me in case I run out, because I'm not a nice person when I run out of my tube. Uh, I get rather that's... cranky. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy prices, though. Oh, it is. So every time my my girlfriend's from from Washington, so every time she comes up to see me or I go down to see her, I always try and stock up when I'm down there. But you can only bring so much across the line, too. Yeah. See, and I never could. I never did like the uh, Copenhagen up across the line there. I could never stomach that stuff. It, it was different for me. Oh, it's it's a lot different. Like, if I run out of American chew and I got to buy a roll of chew from the gas station up here, like, uh, your guys' Copenhagen, I find, is a lot weaker. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't know what it is about it because it's the same company and everything. It's the same stuff. I just find it a lot weaker than... You know, you you chew your roll of American, and then you go to town and get your roll of Canadian. Stick a open up a Canadian can and put a chew in. About five minutes later, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's a lot stronger." Must be all the rat poison they put in, or something. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Probably a different brand of fiberglass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just know I get real cranky without it. Uh, yeah, well. Yeah, it's about, the, I don't know what time it is there, but it's it's midnight here. 5.30 comes really early. Yeah. So yeah. I should... I should probably make them wild, and I I come into town to do these because I don't have the best service at camp, so 
I come into town and I sit at the gas station and use their their wireless internet. Oh yeah. You get funny looks when you're sitting in front of a or beside a closed gas station and all the truckers are walking by and they're like, you know it's closed, right? And you're like, Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sitting there talking to yourself in the truck, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, I sure appreciate you you coming on the show, and we'll have to make this happen again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be a, yeah, it's a fun deal. And uh, next time we do it, hopefully the the technology aspect is uh, is a little easier, and we get it figured out a little better. <laughs> well, I think I got the settings right this time, or something. It took me a while. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll get her figured out and we'll definitely have you back on for another one at some point. Sounds good. Yeah, I'd be happy to. All righty. Thank you, Jack. And you have a great evening. All right. We'll see you later. <laughs>